So good morning, it's Dazai the Philosopher here again, and hope you guys are having a good day on the way to work again, and we're going to start today's Philosophy in the Morning podcast. Um, I guess one of the philosophers I was thinking about this morning was uh, Descartes, uh, René Descartes, uh, French philosopher, writ, wrote, writ, <laughs> can't even speak this morning, uh, he wrote mostly in Latin, uh, um, but, again, some of his work was translated in French by himself or other people. From what I know of, anyway. Uh, anyway, one of uh, his interesting ideas is... I believe the quote is somewhere along the lines of... Breaking problems into as many necessary parts in order to be able to find a solution. Or something along those lines. That, that's probably not the exact quote, but... It, for our case, it's close enough. I don't have my uh, philosophy dictionary on me, so I can't really check. Uh, but I will probably after I get to school. Um, anyway, it's uh, I find this is a pretty interesting idea just because it's very useful. I mean, life is ridden with problems, uh, big or small, and I find that. With Descartes' quote, we can take some of these bigger problems and break them down into smaller problems that are easier to handle. And once we're dealing with smaller problems, sometimes the solutions are a little bit easier to find. Then it's just a matter of fact of how do we almost uh, prioritize and break down these problems and kind of troubleshoot them one by one. And then eventually we'll be able to reach a the larger solution. Um, so I guess to put this in a more concrete example would be kind of like the problem of dating or the problem of finding, I guess, the love of your life, uh, as some people would like to say. Um, big problem, the question of what is love is actually one of the larger philosophical problems just because it's one of those words that... Um, we as humans think we tend to understand, uh, but to be able to pinpoint the definition of this world word uh, would be very difficult. And people have been trying to define love since, since essentially the invention of philosophy. Um, anyway, it's it is a big problem. Uh, not that it's a bad thing, but that it's quite necessary to. I, I believe that for a human to live life without feeling or generally giving love to others or receiving it from others would not be a complete life, um, which is why I find it as one of those bigger philosophical problems. Uh, anyway, you can always break down this problem of love or giving or receiving love um, into its smaller parts. So, I mean, before we can even fall in love, you're going to have to most likely meet people and go on dates, essentially. And then that could be a bigger problem depending on what your personality is like, uh, what your experiences with dating is like, um, even how you're raised uh, as a child. Uh, but again, it's a smaller problem, maybe not that much smaller, but it is 
slightly smaller problem and broken into its parts compared to just a question of in general, uh, like what is love. Moving forward with dating, break that down into even smaller parts. You're probably going to have to meet new people. You're probably going to have to go out. You're probably going to have to interact with new people. Um, and you're probably going to have to do a lot of, a lot of uh, self-reflection just because we tend to have this idea that we know what we want, but it isn't until we actually go out there and interact with other people and have these, I guess, dating experiences with other people that will realize and almost refine more of our criteria of what we want in a partner. Um, again, we're breaking this even to smaller chunks. Uh, we went from what is love to the importance of the problem of dating and breaking down dating into self-reflection, meeting other people, interacting people, and just going on dates. Now, since this is a morning podcast on philosophy, I'm not going to pay that much attention on the, the parts of dating or the parts of love and the philosophical question of love, um, which focuses more on meeting people, interacting with people, and getting dates, just because that's more specific to, I guess, the problem with dating. Could go into more into detail of that, but we'll see how much time I have. I'd like to focus more on the self-reflection part, uh, just because it's something that you can kind of do right away, and it's something that it's a little bit more on the philosophical side, and more of the, I guess, the inner inner dialogue part. Whereas the act of going out on dates, um, sure there is philosophy that bleeds into that but it's mostly the parts of philosophy where you kind of get your own uh, philosophical thought and your own definitions and perceptions of love and dating kind of handled before you even meet this person. Anyway, it's uh, a good start to self-reflection is I find uh, inspired by Martin Heidegger in his work Being in Time where he talks about the average every Martin Heidegger does hold this idea that time and being 
are very closely related. And essentially, the existentialists hold this idea that how you spend your time is essentially how you build your being. In other words, the things that you spend the most time, usually things that become habits, uh, essentially become the building blocks of who you are, who you were, and who you will become. Heidegger and the existentialists do have this idea that the human experience and that being is, again, linked to time, and that time can be broken down into past, present, and future, and that past, present, and future are not fixed. Conceptualize this idea when we're talking about the present and the future, just because it's, it's simple. It's not. It's not fully, fully happening yet. I mean, the present is unfolding in front of our eyes constantly, and the future has not happened yet. It's what is going to happen, or what is going to become. But to say that the past is not fixed is a little bit harder to conceptualize. However, the, Heide uh, the Heideggerian thought and the existentialist thought holds this idea that the past is not fixed and that the choices we make in the present, which do affect our future, also affect how we perceive the past and also how the past uh, kind of reveals itself. An example of this is whenever you watch a movie, and at the very end, something changes, and the whole past of the movie changes as well. And again, with this idea of past, present, and future, and being in time, as well as the average everydayness of the human experience, how we link this back to the question of love, I guess we can kind of look at, I guess almost a non-example, or maybe even a darker, more obscure side of love. Um, this can be examined through, I guess, the experience of getting cheated on or cheating and having a partner cheat on you. Is that, again, with this idea of the past is not fixed, that the existentialist hold, uh, like I was saying earlier, I may have cut off in the last section, but if you've ever watched a movie and then near the end of the movie you find out a revealing truth that kind of changes everything that happened prior to this moment, uh, that's the past being changed, essentially, or the truth being revealed that does change the path, past, which makes the past, again, not fixed. Um, to bring this, uh, oh, sorry, my phone fell there for a second, um, yeah, to bring this back to the idea of love and, I guess, towards uh, the example of being cheated on. Whenever a partner finds out that their partner has cheated on them, it's as if their past history almost gets thrown into chaos. Um, just because you think you knew your partner, but depending on how long this affair has been going, then you essentially get thrown into a almost an existential crisis where you don't know your partner. And 
for you to not know the person that would seemingly be one of the closest people to you could mean that you might not even know yourself. Um, to elaborate more on this, the existentialist and Heidegger and even Saft hold this idea that the other is a reflection of the self and that we are in a world of intersubjectivity, meaning we're not just a being that's living in a subject that has their subjective reality and that anything we perceive may or may be different between what others perceive. But instead, with intersubjectivity, there is this shared reality where we are sharing this reality that things are fairly similar. We are unable to verify if the other is perceiving reality as we do, but through conversation, through interacting with others, we are able to sort of determine what factors and what similarities exist between our reality and the reality of others. Uh, again, bringing this back to our example of the past being unfixed, an example of a partner cheating on another, is that once an individual finds out that they may not have had the whole truth or they may not have fully known someone that had, been, that had been close to them, it highlights the idea that it is possible that the individual doesn't even know themselves, um, which usually throws the individual into an existentialist crisis. Um, for the existentialist, uh, the existential crisis is not something that is bad necessarily. Uh, it does hold value just because existential crises, crises, I guess, that the individual can learn more about themselves. And again, that's a very important factor in philosophy that I believe it's Socrates that states that uh, to know thyself. And the better we know that ourselves, the more self-aware we become, the more closely and the more better grip we have on, I guess, living our ideal life or becoming the best version of ourselves. I mean, if you think about it, how can you become the best version of yourself if you don't even know yourself? It just doesn't make sense. Now, I guess if we bring this all the way back to the beginning of uh, today's Philosophy in the Morning podcast, the topic of Descartes and his idea of breaking bigger problems into smaller problems, which can then be uh, solved to then eventually reach to the back to the top and solve the initial main problem. Uh, I guess we can kind of do like a meta-analysis of kind of what we just talked about here today. Um, essentially, we started off with the big idea of the problem of love and how this can be broken down into essentially a smaller part, which is dating. Um, once dating can be broken down to smaller pieces, uh, which would be essentially meeting new people, interacting with new people, uh, figuring out who qualifies under what you want in a partner, 
and also uh, self-reflection to figure out what is it exactly that you want and who exactly are you and who would be a good match. Uh, we focus more on the latter, which would be part of self-reflection and figure out who you are. And essentially we broke this down into even smaller parts using Heidegger's uh, average everydayness and the four questions which were what emotion do I feel firstly most often? What do I think about firstly most often? What brings me pleasure firstly most often? And what do I find myself doing or what do I find myself preoccupied with firstly and most often? So again, we're starting from problems and breaking down to smaller parts and then examining these smaller parts to then find solutions to again go up forward from there to be able to solve larger problems. Um, this philosophical method that Descartes takes obviously has influenced Heidegger since Again, we were talking a lot about Heidegger today and his work of being in time. Um, and it, has, it also has influenced many of the existentialists. To look back on this data of breaking problems into smaller ones, we almost look at this, or we may almost look at this as obvious. Uh, and that's, the, that's one of the cool things I find about philosophy is that once it does become integrated into let's say common knowledge or uh, I wouldn't say really common sense just because I do find that common sense does not exist. Uh, what is common sense for one society can be completely wrong for another. Uh, but again, to reiterate this idea that once philosophy and more complex or what was viewed as complex methods back in the day have become integrated into common knowledge, uh, that's when we must make sure that this knowledge doesn't become buried. Uh, Heidegger talks about the buried as knowledge that has become common, but has become so diluted that essentially it becomes forgotten or it loses its value. Or I guess more so that the people find that it has lost its value. Or the people will neglect or deny its importance due to it seeming simple when it only appears to be simple due to the fact that its complexities and nuances have been so so to say buried. So I guess that's that's it for today's uh, philosophy in the morning podcast. I'm about to park and head into uh, my class. I'm gonna do some prep work and whatnot. Yeah, hope you guys have a nice day. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Hope you guys learned something new, and hope you guys can use a little bit of uh, Descartes' method, maybe Heidegger's average everydayness, kind of figure out some problems, help you guys out. Uh, but yeah, and since this is a podcast, again, I do uh, encourage you to join Anchor and possibly join me on a podcast one day. Hope you guys have a good day, and yeah, that's Dazan the Philosopher. Philosophy in the morning. Have a good one.